How's it going? This is Daniel Rapid Visas, Visa Memoirs, about to get into my interview with Ibrahim Nobel, coming from the great nation of Texas. That's right, the great nation. I'm from Texas, so I'm allowed to say that. Ibrahim is commuting from Houston to San Antonio on the weekends. Hardest working man I've interviewed so far, it seems. Uh, once again, if you like our show, please shoot us a review on iTunes. I'm on a fun note, had a lot of people calling these past couple months wanting to naturalize so they can vote this november pretty entertaining cool to see that people are taking it upon themselves regardless of who you want to vote for voting's cool so you should do it all the cool kids do it and uh yeah so it's pretty neat uh, neat conversation to have all of a sudden these past couple weeks give us a call if you're interested and once again enjoy the show Welcome to the Visa Memoirs Podcast, where we follow a couple's journey through the ups and downs of the U.S. immigration process. Now your host, Daniel Ives. Thank you for joining us. This is Daniel with Visa Memoirs talking with Noel and Ibrar coming all the way out from Houston, Texas. You two want to say hello? Hi. Hello. Awesome. They took the time to meet with me and we're going to sit down and just chat about their experience and uh, see how it all went. And uh, so uh, I said Houston, Texas earlier, but it's technically Sugarland, right? Right. That's correct. Um, so where in compared to Houston proper is that? Uh, that's about, um, gosh, it's about maybe 15 minutes east of Houston. It is east. We're not from okay. here originally. We're, we're from California. Well, I'm from California. So um, we're still getting used to it. We've only been here for a few <laughs> Well, we have to just drive three or four minutes. So we are in, you know, Houston territory. So technically, you can say we are in Houston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. I'm from an uh, area around Fort Worth, but I'm not really from Fort Worth. So I totally understand. You just pick the closest city you're from and uh, just the way people know where it is. Uh, totally get it. So in um, so Ibrar, where are you from? I'm from Pakistan, Punjab. And if you want more detail about that, sure. Uh, actually, you know, it's Punjab. It's a famous province, famous state of Pakistan, and it's. Uh, I'm from East Punjab. It's Lahore, the city where I'm from, mm -hmm. and uh, I born and raised up in a small town. You call, we call them villages, small towns. That is actually far from Lahore, the city I just mentioned. So mm. I got my education, my degree from Lahore. So I spent a lot of my life, uh, you can say the 75% of my life in Lahore. So from Lahore, you know, when I was 24, I think, I moved to Dubai, UAE, so mm -hmm. on visit visa to look for a job. So I got a job in 2011, in early 2011. So I spent four years, not four actually, three years or so in Dubai. So my education and uh, my experience, my background is IT, information technology. Okay. So I'm an IT engineer. So here I work with the Food Safety Networks, Net Services. It's a company. We test food, but... Uh, I don't test food. <laughs> what I do, I take care of computer networks, telephone networks, and uh, everything that comes in IT. Okay. So this is what I do, and uh, I think uh, this is what I have. So you have a much cleaner job than the people who test food. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. I don't work in, in labs, so but we have a system. So whenever they have a problem, we need to go in there. And have a look. So we don't work in labs. We are not lab technicians. We are IT. 
people. So you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally understand. I mean, most of what we do here is, is a lot of IT stuff as well, you know, being computer software. So yeah, I would agree. I, I think that makes sense. Question for you, Noel, are you working in Houston or are you, um, you mentioned you're moving to San Antonio? I haven't really been able to find anything that's my niche in Houston. So hopefully in San Antonio, I'll be able to find something. What would you consider your niche? Um, well, I've, I've always worked in uh, serving other people and helping other people, um, whether it's um, in nonprofits or it's in a profit company. I've worked in um, government contracts for a number of years, for over 20 years, refugee services, employment services, but a lot of human service contracts I worked on. Uh, I have to ask, do you, do you get to wear a cape to work? Because it sounds like you're kind of like a modern day superhero. <laughs> Capes are optional. I choose not to wear one. <laughs> <laughs> I like to work incognito. I'm oh, work incognito. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you were gonna wear one, would, would it? Would you have several, would, or would it be like color coded? Um, I like invisible capes. I just uh, I, I uh. like to work incognito. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so you said you're in Orange County, and then how did you two meet? Uh, you do you want to do that one? Do go ahead. Okay. Well, um, I was a widow. I have a a child um, from another marriage. And I was looking to find somebody that was down to earth. I was having a really tough time of it um, where I lived, finding somebody that just was like me. And I went on a website. It was Islamic matrimony site. Mm-hmm. And finding a lot of people that they were okay. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, there, there were, you know, there's people that wanted me to, you know, they wanted me to come to their state or they wanted this, they wanted that. And they were okay. Um, and then... All of a sudden, um, this guy, this, this younger guy, was very enthusiastic and mm. didn't seem to be my type, but he was very enthusiastic, and that's what really just kind of pulled me in. He was really enthusiastic and very nice, and and it was a bar. And just like I said, he, he wasn't really my typical type that I was looking for, but he was so enthusiastic and so nice that he just impressed me. And um, the rest, I guess you'd say, is history. And it was, uh. I never expected a to find somebody on a website, particularly somebody on a website in Dubai, because you never think something like that would be legitimate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you're hitting uh, pretty much all the facets of online dating right now. You know, like you're talking about how some people are like, eh, they're okay. Eh, you know, I wasn't too impressed. And then like, oh, wow, this, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, wow, this is on the other side of the planet. You know, I think you're you're hitting pretty much all the the, the check boxes. I feel, of, uh, of online dating, you know, the surprises of it and, and you know, and what happens sometimes, and um, I think it's great. Um, how long, if you don't mind me asking, how um, how long did it take for you two to you know chat and stuff before you two physically met? How long was it? Like, like? Uh, I think we met in was the end of August two thousand thirteen. Yeah, we we started corresponding the end of August two thousand thirteen. We actually he sent for my son and I to come and meet him. Um, Actually, on Christmas Day, 2013. So that's pretty soon. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people were um, very hesitant about it. They're like, you're going to the Middle East with your son on Christmas Day? Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, it when you trust, you trust in, in something higher than yourself and you know that it's right and mm-hmm. 
you know in your heart that it's right and you trust in God and it just feels right. I knew that this was a legitimate person. I knew that this was meant to be. I've never felt more sure of anything in my entire life. That's a very sweet thing to say. It's just really, and and my son had talked to him before on Skype and on the phone, um, and it it just really, I don't know how to put it other than it just really felt, it just really felt like he was the one I had nothing to fear. I knew that everything was going to be exactly the way it should be. Plus it was Christmas Eve, and well, Christmas, we left on Christmas Eve, we got there on Christmas Day, so. Oh, wow. Nothing ever get, goes wrong on Christmas Day, right? So, <laughs> Hopefully not, right? Yeah, especially in Dubai. So, but it was, um, it was like a fairy tale. It really was. We, we both hmm. always say that it was like a fairy tale. So I'm, I've never been to Dubai. I guess the closest I've ever been to is, is um, Doha. But uh, what was Dubai like? Oh, <laughs> well, like, uh, it's like a fantasy of somebody, you can say. Like, <laughs> whenever you go to bed and you just uh, close your eyes and dream of something, you know, try to see something you have, you have uh never seen in your life and you think that you know a city a place should be like this where i want to live it's mm. something like that it's a dreamland it's a really beautiful city really beautiful i don't think so on the planet earth we have something like that anywhere else mm. so it's to me i'm not talking about everybody it's to me it's a really beautiful city it's a place to be but it's really hot there so you know in summers it gets really hot so the people you know uh, it's not a good place for white people, <laughs> but it's a really good. Place. It's a it's a it's a nice place for Canadians. <laughs> Canadians. Yep, they love you know the the heat. They love heat. Really, I, that's. I worked with one, and uh, he loves heat. He says uh, heat is ten thousand times better than cold. Yeah. Oh so, man, I'm a dis. I'm a disagree. Yeah. I don't know, You're but a Texan uh, you know, too. Mm-hmm. So Dubai is a really beautiful city, and uh, you know you should be there sometime. So you are in yeah. Philippines, take some time off and go there. Yeah. My son, my I had a at the time my son was ten, and I was trying to describe it to my son just so he you know, kind of. Understand, because when you have a 10-year-old that's going to be on a plane on Christmas Eve and most of Christmas Day, you have to... Yeah. You really oh, have I didn't to, think of that. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you, have to, you have to explain to him, yes, you know, Santa Claus will understand, and he, he knows where to find us. And he did. And I was explaining to him what Dubai was going to be like. And it really is like Star Wars. It does. The buildings do look like Star Wars. And mm. the um, the metro system they have does look like Star Wars. And all the buildings do look like Star Wars. And all the sand looks like parts of, I think it was uh, the latest Star Wars film. There's a planet there that it looked a lot like. So Yeah, it, yeah. the planet is Jackal. Jackal, yes. yeah. See, I can't remember all these things. I'm a nerd. But my uh, my son's like, yeah, Dubai does look like Star Wars, but it has beaches. So it's mm. it is a very beautiful place. Um, I don't think I'd want to live there year round because it is as Barbara said, it's very hot. We were there when it was cooler. Um, and there are um a lot of foreign tourists that go there with um different ideas <laughs> um, like vegas That's what well kind of um it's it's an islamic country still and there's um there were some european tourists that were wearing um some questionable bikinis and speedos which is kind of fun to look at but <laughs> we we had a good laugh on on their part so <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm laughing more at the speedos part i'm like yeah, yeah oh yeah i forgot about that yeah Speedos are big there. Yeah. It started. It started with 
my son uh, pointed it out to us and we were watching people watching and from small children all the way up to very old men wearing speedos we watched this parade of russian tourists from the ramada hotel to this little beach cabana across the street this parade and it was very funny so very entertaining <laughs> we never expected to see that in dubai well i mean looks like you know you can check that box i don't know if that was a box you had um but yeah. bucket list that, yeah it's on the it's complete you can move you can move past that one now yeah and, and and even funnier is some of these people actually had camel rides on the beach in speedos oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> terrible I've, I've ridden horses before with shorts and that's terrible yeah. i can imagine that yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh yeah bad visual <laughs> yeah. well i think on that note we're gonna take a break so that way people can uh, go you know maybe brush their teeth or something The Visa Memoirs Podcast is brought to you by RapidVisa.com. RapidVisa helps thousands of families every year with their U.S. immigration petitions. Go to their site to see over 700 photo testimonials from couples just like the guests on today's show. With their 99.7% visa approval rating and guaranteed lowest prices, RapidVisa is the smart choice for your family immigration needs. You can start your petition for free right now by going to RapidVisa.com slash free. That's rapidvisa.com slash free. There's no obligation to get started. You only pay if and when you decide to print and file your petition. Again, that's rapidvisa.com slash free. All right, we're back with Noel Nebrar. We're going to get right into a little bit more questions. So question for you, Nebrar. So, um, with Dubai and you know going to work there, is it pretty easy to find jobs there as a Pakistani? It's uh, I would say you know comparatively in the United States you can find a job easily, but uh, in Dubai it's a little bit you know difficult for you to find a job. It it, mm-hmm. it doesn't depend on you know the nationality where you are from. It depends on the, in the market. What is your field of work? What you do? If you are in a construction mm-hmm. field, like if you are a you know, civil engineer, if you are a mechanical or technical or whatever you call that, uh, the engineering fields, mm-hmm. if you're one of uh, those, then it's easy for you to find a job. But uh, for a salesperson or something like that, it's really hard. Even uh, IT, it's uh, it's not easy to find a job. But if you are from, you know, because uh, this construction thing is really on the peak all the time, 24 by 7 and mm-hmm. uh, 12 months of any year, you can find job easily how does the pace in the united states compare to you know home you know pakistan and and, and then to dubai is it kind of somewhere in the middle or is- i would say dubai was a big change in my life when i moved here i didn't feel you know what i felt when i came to dubai so i didn't feel that way and you can say you know it could be you know my wife and uh, because i came here for them so they were with me so i didn't feel that that awkward and uh, it was really easy for me to settle down in the United States comparatively Dubai. So if you, there's no comparison, you know, the life comparison uh, between Pakistan and the uh, United States because two different, you can say the, these are two different people, you know, both territories. They have different uh, religious beliefs. They have different, you know, uh, cultural beliefs. But uh, if, uh, suppose, uh, I came from Pakistan directly to the United States, that would, 
it would be, you know, a disaster for me. <laughs> yeah. And because yeah. I had a stop, you know, in between the United States and Pakistan, so I'm okay. So I was pretty confident and I was okay. But when I came here, so I didn't feel, you know, anything, you know, out of pace, my pace, the way I like, because the life I got into in Dubai, it's close to the life I have in United States. What would you say is the biggest difference between, you know, living in the United States and, and say, Dubai, if, if you said, you know, a second ago, you talked about pace, um, and then, you know, comparing Pakistan or home, you know, to Dubai or, or to the United States. I mean, if there's one thing that really sticks out, uh, would you mind, you know, sharing that with us? So what's the biggest difference? The first thing, you know, you like things you grew up with. Mm, yeah. I born in a village and uh, in villages, you know, life is really slow. It's not slow. I'm What I mean, you know, the people that wake up early in the morning, like uh, they wake up at 3 a.m. Wow. This is a village life because that's a Muslim country. So mm-hmm. they pray in the mornings, then they, you know, go out to field and work. This is what they do. And this is what my father and forefathers have been doing for generations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we own lands and we cultivate, you know, their crops and you know, everything. What we This is what we do for a living. My brothers, and they didn't like it. They wanted a change. So my brother, you know, he left the village. It's not really easy to leave where you live. In Pakistan, mm-hmm. but the rest of the world, you know, as I see, it's it's not it's no big deal. People move all the time, but in there, yeah. it's it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen more often. You know, it's a big step. They say my brother, they they left home and you know just to pursue their careers. So they didn't go to college because they didn't get a chance to do that. And I got a chance, and because of them, I got this chance to go to college and got higher education, and I did. I'm really thankful to them. They paid for it. As I told you, they wake up early, and they go to bed early. They eat different food, and they have different traditions. So, you know, if you just think about that, so you will feel you know, a difference, you know, there is a huge difference between these, between this life and that life. If a person come from that part of the world and he lives in a United States, you can say, you know, uh, what he has been through and uh, how much he had to work and how much he had to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what I did when I moved to Dubai. So actually I had friends, I had brothers, so was easy for me to just to settle down and find a job and you know there was a, a language barrier too for me mm-hmm. not just for me everybody because uh, we study english in pakistan but we don't speak english mm. what you study and what you speak is two different things very true yeah <laughs> and, uh, the only thing we had in common was religion so dubai is a muslim state too and uh, so you know you get to pray and everything so you don't and nobody can single you out you know you are doing something awkward or you know weird yeah uh, yeah comparatively in the united states if you do this thing you know uh on the road, people will look at you and they will give you a weird look. Oh, what the hell is this person doing? Yeah, or they think you're a terrorist or <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But in Dubai, if you are praying on, on the road or whatever, somebody will stop by and, you know, put a water next to you and uh, maybe a soda or whatever. When you finish, you can drink. So it's a, it's a cultural and religious thing. It's not it's nothing against anybody. What you yeah, believe it's just in, what you used to... yeah, and what your parents mm. believe in, you will believe in too. All right, we've, we've spoken to a broader bunch of... Um, I'm going to move focus uh, to you, Noel, if, if you're ready to okay. go. 
Okay. <laughs> so you you mentioned you mentioned working in Orange County um, California Refugee Service uh, earlier and talked about all these different kind of job um, contracts and titles and mm-hmm. um, what what made you get into that? Is that what you went to school for, or, or if you wouldn't mind kind of actually like, no, expanding I, on that? I actually um, I started off in art. I was. Um, I went to Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, and I was going to be an illustrator. I was going to work at Disney when I was growing up. I oh, that's cool. Loved, I was a painter. I did illustration, uh-huh. and that's what I was going to do. And then one day, um, when I was in school, a lot of that changed because of the um, there was a lot of stuff that happened with the LA riots. I just thought, you know what? I couldn't understand how the entire world couldn't get along with each other yet. Mm-hmm. All of my friends are from different religions and different cultures in different parts of the world. And they were, you know, they were gay or they were straight, but everybody got along and I couldn't understand why everybody else didn't get along. So Mm -hmm. then I started thinking about what can I do to make a difference in this world? And I thought, you know what? There's got to be something to do. So I started kind of formulating some plans with my artwork and what can you do. And mm-hmm. I did some thesis work with my um, with my teachers um, on how to use art as a tool to teach children and adults about other people's culture. Mm-hmm. So when I finally finished my degree, it was in art and cross-cultural education. Well, with a degree like that, that that's special, um, really hard to find a job. <laughs> really hard to find a job. Um, so I loved helping people. So I just, I started working at schools um, and I'm bilingual in Spanish. So just started working at schools as um, like a paraprofessional and teacher's aide and student teacher and such. Then I started working in nonprofits. Then I started working at a profit company and just kind of started getting trained in different things, managerial jobs um, and these companies that did government contracts and started mm. doing um, financial work for them and contractual work and just started getting trained by them and kind of went up, up the line and over the years just learned more and more and more. And the last uh, major job that I worked for was with a dear friend of mine who, um, phenomenal lady who has done so much for the um, Muslim and Arab community, but not just the Muslim and Arab community, but just an outstanding individual who's just done so much in, for the United States. Um, just a, I, I cannot say enough about this woman. She has just done so much for the um, refugee community. And I learned a lot from her. As I said, she uh, tries to do as much as she can to help people coming to the United States to make their lives better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that come here have been doctors or lawyers or, um, you know, a variety of different jobs. When they come here, find themselves not able to find a job even at a McDonald's, which is really a shame because they're people just like you and I in situations just like we are in and they find themselves in a country that's at war or they find themselves in a situation like a trafficking victim and they end up here in the United States and their world is turned upside down. When something like that happens, you have to help somebody like that out. There's just, you can't just say, oh, you know, too bad for them. You can't walk away from something like that. So that's how I got involved. 
the Visa Memoirs podcast is brought to you by RapidVisa.com. We hope you're enjoying today's show. If you've gone through the immigration process, we would love to share your story on a future episode of the podcast. Go to RapidVisa.com slash show to let us know you'd like to be on the show. Again, that's RapidVisa.com slash show. At the beginning of this interview, you talked about um, uh, how you got started online and, you know, looking for, for a partner and touched a little bit on, you know, your friends and, and stuff. But how once you, you know, you met Ibarar and you're like, I'm going over there to meet this person. Um, how did you, you know, your family and friends, how did they, they take that decision? At first, my mom was kind of um, shocked. She she didn't expect me to ever want to get remarried again after my first husband had passed away mm-hmm. um, when my son was about about. 16, 17 months old. And oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a big shocker because I was a widow for almost 10 years before mm-hmm. I decided to get remarried. Mm-hmm. And um, well, before I was blessed to be remarried. So my mom was kind of shocked by that. And she was a little bit hesitant about it at first. But when um, several weeks before we were going to Dubai, my mom really came around and was really supportive. Um, and my friends too, because at first they were very skeptical about the whole thing because they were worried that something would happen to me or to John. My, that's my son. Well, our son mm-hmm. now. Um, they were very worried. You don't know this person. This is person you met online. And there's so many mm-hmm. people that are just, you know, you're such a helpful person and you're such a trusting person. But when they talked to me more and more about it, they realized that, wait, you know, wait, this is this this sounds like a really nice, legitimate person. Then they when I told them everything and explained everything, they're like, yeah, they they, they really understood. And then finally, when they did meet abroad, they're like, he is so nice. He's so amazing. You know, you are so lucky. It is a fairy tale. And, <laughs> but it, you know, I think anybody, anybody, when they first learn about something like an online dating or something, online marriage or anything like that, people are skeptical because mm-hmm. we're, we, you hear of so many different things. But when you really get to know the person and you really learn everything you can about them between good and bad, you'll know. Mm-hmm. But my family has been very supportive. My friends have been very supportive. Um, his family has been very supportive as well. You know, your family's back in Southern California? Uh, yes. I have okay. a couple of friends here in Texas. Oh, okay. That's nice. But the majority of my family is in Southern California. And and same question to you, Abrar. Uh, how did your family take it whenever, um, you know, you told them, you know, you met this woman, she's from the United States, and she's coming to visit, and how did, were they, re- you know, supportive, receptive, kind of the same thing, a little skeptical? Or? Yeah, actually, to be honest, they didn't like it. It's not really easy being a Pakistani and, you know, marry somebody else. You know, the person who's not from Pakistan was not your, you don't know the person, and you don't mm-hmm. know the family, and this is the whole different level, you know. It's not just persons, the person is white and he's from another country and the person is from, you know, another world, you can see. An alien. They were devastated. They said, you're going to do that and if you want to do it, so go ahead. So we don't have your back anymore and you're on your own. So I tried, I tried to, you know, explain everything. Uh, I, I, I haven't decided on it. I, whether I would go and she, she would come. We haven't decided it yet. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but. 
we are planning to be together. But they didn't take it, you know, lightly. So there was a battle. Finally, you know, when they, when they saw this guy is not, you know, turning around, he's not going to get back. So, okay. So some of them, they said, okay, go ahead, do it. It's okay. That's fine. We are with you. But some of them, they say, you know, go and uh, you are gone forever. So that was a pretty, you know, big decision for me to take. But I took it and I'm glad I took it. So, you know, everybody's coming around. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy. So no, no, your mom's always been there. Yeah, but my mom, she was always there for me. And she said, mm -hmm. okay, whatever you want to do, it's your life. And you mm -hmm. are the master of your life. And you should uh, live it the way you like it, not the way people like it. So forget mm -hmm. it. If they don't like it, your brothers and sisters and you know, your uncles, they don't like it. Then, you know, forget them, just uh, follow your heart, whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm your mother, still be your mother, and uh, I'll be there whenever you call me. And uh, you have my prayers, and uh, that was a uh, relief. Yeah. So after that, my brother came along. We have been through a lot. Finally, we are getting settled down, and we are getting some kind of satisfaction. Finally, we are able to say that. The decision we made two years ago that was wasn't bad that was meant to be and uh, we are okay now great yeah that's all um i, I especially like the part about uh, you, we spoke about your mother uh, i think that's very very touching you know in the sense of you know following your heart what she said uh, um, yeah. yeah thank you for actually, sharing that you know the, the it's not about religion it's a cultural thing mm -hmm. yeah you know, in mm -hmm. Pakistan, you are not entitled to find a girl for you. This is the responsibility of your family. They will find and you will accept it. And then the world is changing, you know, it's... Uh, it's not, uh, it doesn't happen, you know, each and every single, with each and every single person, but it happens a lot and it's ha it has been happening for generations. So you cannot go out and, you know, ask somebody to marry me or ask somebody to be my girlfriend or something because it's a cultural thing. The family, you know, they they will do that for you. And the same with the girls, they will do for girls too. So mm -hmm. they will find a guy and, you know, they will find everything. They will do a background check. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay this person is okay and we are you know fine you guys go ahead and get married and you know Mm -hmm. So it was really hard for me. So whatever. So we are good now. So a little more old-fashioned is is what you're saying. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, it used to be that way in our culture too, not that long ago. But uh, you know, a, a really fascinating book, uh, a marriage, a history of. Um, it's it's pretty dense, but it goes through all of that and talks about different cultures, different timelines, and I really recommend it really to anyone. Um, but uh, pretty pretty good book. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for sharing that, Ibarra. Um So yeah, I guess the uh, last question um, for both of you, my, one of my favorite questions is um, if you had to give one piece of advice to a couple listening to this, you know, what would that piece of advice be? I, I would say um, the one thing that I would I would suggest to anybody is that when you get involved in something that you're going through a, a fiancé or a marriage visa is that really surround yourself with people, family and friends that have a lot of patience because it is a long haul. We didn't expect the process for us to be a part to last about nine months. And there were days that I... It just was killing me. To be apart for nine months was the longest time 
of my life to be apart from him. And you have to have a lot of patience and a lot of things to do and a lot of friends um, to distract you when you're not with your loved one. Because that's the thing you really need to have yeah. <laughs> while you're waiting for the visa to go through and for he or she to get here. Do you have anything to say? Like, what would you suggest? <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, be patient. And if you, if it's not, if you know the person already, you, you didn't, you know, meet on any website or something. If you know each other, that's a good thing. If you don't, don't be, you know, like too fast or something. Take your time to know each other, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing, you know, if you just meet somebody on a website and uh, you think you know, it's not a legitimate relation. So, you know, majority, you know, the mostly it's not, but, uh, you know, but not everybody is the same person, you know, you see on the website. Because when I got into these websites and I was recommended by somebody and uh, I signed up for this website and you know and there's a lot of a lot of you know needy people out there and be aware open your eyes and you know your ear and uh, see what you're doing and uh, just share your life with people you know already your friends your family don't try to be you know try to hide stuff and you think you know if you're gonna tell somebody you know they're gonna blow this up no it's not that if you share with somebody you will get some good piece of advices you know and mm. you will know the reality about the world. Take your time. Do not be, you know, too fast. Like, we took our time and I'm happy. We talked a lot on the, on the Skype, you know, hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to know each other. That was a really good thing. So we knew that we are, you know, perfect for each other. And, and uh, okay. you know, that's, uh, that would help you to make a decision. We wish... Uh, Good luck to everybody. Oh, no worries. Thank you yeah. very much. Um, thank you. And thank you, Bara, um, for sharing all that. And you two have a good night. Well, thank and- you. You too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Join us next week for another Visa Memoir. If you're about to start a journey of your own, don't do it alone. Rapid Visa has helped thousands of couples from over 160 countries get through the frustrating U.S. immigration process. Rapid Visa is America's leader in online family immigration processing with offices in three countries and live chat and phone support seven days a week. We offer a money-back visa approval guarantee and payment plans are available. Go to rapidvisa.com today and get started.